Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Good morning, everybody. It's a little bit after the hour. You're listening to Your Money, Your Wealth with Joe Anderson and Alan Clopine. I am Big Al Clopine. Uh, Joe Anderson will join us shortly. We're going to try something a little bit different today. I'm going to open the show because Joe always gets to open the show. So it's my turn to open the show. And I want to welcome you. If you haven't listened to our show before, we talk about finances, we talk about investments, we talk about taxes with a focus towards retirement planning because we feel like that uh, a lot of people have saved a good amount of money, but a lot of people have not. And there's a lot of strategies to put yourself into a better position as far as retirement goes. And I'll tell you, if you think about it, right now we're in the month of January and a lot of you have New Year's resolutions that... uh, Maybe, unfortunately, at this point in the month, uh, you're, they're starting to kind of fall off. Uh, have you noticed maybe you went to the gym uh, a little bit more frequently, maybe the first couple weeks? And when it comes to retirement, it's kind of like trying to stick to a, a diet. You know you should do it. You know you should save. Uh, but it's really easy to come up with excuses. And, you know, when it comes to eating, for example, if you're trying to eat well, how many times have we done this? You promise yourself after you're having a great big fat meal. (laughs) You promise yourself you're going to be better tomorrow, better the next day. And unfortunately, retirement savings turns out to be much the same thing because a lot of us will kind of think, well, I'll just start tomorrow. I'll just, uh, I'll get this right. I know I'm going to do it, but then tomorrow seems to never come. So I want to go over in this segment a few ways to motivate yourself to save more retirement. And I think this is something that's true for all of us, whether you've, you've saved a little None or actually a a whole lot. I'll tell you the stats. It's actually fairly staggering. About 56% of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. And also, get this, about 33% of individuals, so about one-third of us, have not saved even a penny for retirement. So let's start thinking about how to get motivated to save more for retirement. We all know that we need to do it. It's a good time of the year to kind of reflect and think, okay, This year, I'm really going to start that retirement savings, but I kind of need some motivation. So here's some things to think about. The first one is to really calculate how much you need for retirement. And I think a lot of people don't really do this, but uh, the way that you do it, it's it's actually not that complicated. Start with what your net uh, pay is right now if you're an employee. And let's say you get paid once or twice or four times a month, whatever, it doesn't matter. But what you do is you look at your net pay and you multiply that by the number of paychecks that you receive per year to get a number. Let's just say you do that and that number is $60,000 just to make up a number. Okay, so then you look at yourself and and then you think, am I spending all of that? Am I saving some of that? Um, And in many cases, what we find is people tend to spend what they make. So if that's you... And your net pay, when you look at that over the course of the year, is $60,000. Well, that's what you're spending. So that would be $5,000 a month. And then you got to ask yourself, is this the kind of retirement lifestyle that I'm looking for? 
in a lot of cases, we find that people would like to live at least the same lifestyle they're living right now in retirement, in some cases, even more. And when you are figuring out those expenses, that now that's the first step. Then you got to take a look at your fixed income, like things like Social Security, pension, and the like, and then figure out, okay, so I'm spending 60000 My Social Security is 30000 so I'm about $30,000 short. So now you just take that 30000 you multiply it by a factor of 25 to figure out, all right, about how much do I have to have saved to create that income? And in this example, it's about 750000 Now, I know for a lot of you, when you start doing these calculations, then it's like, gosh, it's, it's, there's no way. I'm too far behind the eight ball. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. It's better to get started than not, no matter where you're at. If you're in your 30s or in your 60s, you want to be saving as much as you can because retirement is going to happen for all of us. And Unless I, we die. I want to welcome Mr. Joe Anderson, who uh, just came to the studio. And Joe, we're talking about ways to motivate yourself uh, saving for retirement. And, and I, I mentioned the first one, which is just, first of all, calculate how much you need, just so you have a, a sense of that. That's very motivating. It's motivating. <laughs> For some people, it's demotivating, right? Because they're, they're, they feel like they're too far behind. That, the yeah, that could be one of the most demotivating things to do. <laughs> well, you're blowing me up. You should just have stayed outside the studio. Hey, here's the second one, All right. which is uh, think of the tax savings you'll get. Because if you're not putting money into your 401k or your 403b, when you do put more money into that 401k, that is a tax deduction. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like if you can work up to, to putting five, six, ten thousand $10,000 into your 401k, it's not going to cost you that much because your taxes withheld are going to be lower. So the government actually helps you out a little bit when it comes to saving into your 401k. Question for you. Yes. So let's say that I'm in a high tax bracket, but I have plenty of cash flow that I'm maxing out my 401k. Right. Okay. Would you recommend, because all right, you and I have had this argument before, versus let's say if I have a Roth component in my 401k. Yeah. All right. And should I, because you're like, well, no, I think people should look at the 401k pre-tax because they can save more potentially because they get a tax deduction going in. So more money is actually going into the plan. Yeah, that is true. Right. Then that's yeah. kind of the statement that you're making right now. Mm. Right. Well, I'm I'm making a statement that if you're not saving that much and you're thinking I can't I can't even get up to saving ten thousand dollars. Well, to put ten thousand dollars in your four hundred one k, it's not going to cost you exactly that right. because of the tax savings. So, so if I'm in the twenty five percent tax bracket, I save ten thousand. It's not going to feel like ten thousand. Yeah, it's right? in in that example, twenty five hundred dollars less in taxes. So it'll cost you about seventy five hundred dollars to put ten thousand dollars into your retirement account. Right. All right. And so if I can only save ten thousand dollars, and right. then so it's not going to cost me really 10. It's going to cost me 7,500 bucks. Right, right. And then that money grows tax deferred. Yeah. That's nice. I don't have to pay any tax on it. Right. And then when I pull it out, then I have to pay tax. Sure. So how about if I'm in that same 25% tax bracket, but I have the $10,000 to save? Sure. Would you recommend still pre-tax or would you go after tax? Uh, well, I, I would want have a little bit more information. Okay. So. Because here's the example that I've yeah. been running. Okay. And you're the accountant, yes. right? And I'm kind of looking at real life big picture okay. because the numbers will tell you one thing, but in actuality, it's a little bit different than human behavior. Right. Would you agree with that? Yes. And I, and I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. Right. So if I save $10,000 after tax, let's say if I have a Roth component in my, my 401k plan, 
I forego the $2,500 savings today. Right. Right? And then it grows to $100,000. And then I pull out the $100,000. I don't pay any tax at all. Right. And let's just assume that same 25% tax bracket. So that's actually, what, a $25,000 savings. Correct. Right? Yeah, right. So I forego the 2500 to save 25000 down the road. Right. Versus getting a $2,500 tax deduction today and then down the road paying $25,000 in tax. Right. So which one's better? Well, the way, the way you describe it, I'd rather save 25000 But that means your money's going to grow 10 times, which may or may not happen. Well, no, true. So there's time frame. So if I'm in my – so then I think this is where – Right, the the media and articles and all this might say, well, if you're younger, the Roth makes a lot more yes. sense than if you're older because of that time for growth. Right, to and, make up for that break even of the tax savings. Yeah, and and I'll I'll make two quick points. Uh, as an accountant, you would you would always say, well, what's your tax bracket today versus what's your tax bracket in the future, and and you can just run the numbers. If you're in a 33% bracket today and you're in a 25% bracket in retirement, I'd rather get the tax deduction today, right? That's that's relatively simple. But but I'll tell you, the problem, even with what I just said, is that when you get the tax deduction today, do you save, save that it. money? The answer is no. no you spend, spend it. So I'll, go, I'll, I'll sort of come back full circle to, yeah, there's some validity in what you're saying. Now, if you have the discipline to save that tax savings and you're in a higher tax bracket, by all means, go for the, the pre-tax, get the deduction. Right. right. You get that $2,500 savings, but mm-hmm. then take that $2,500 and then save it. That's right. Put it in a Roth IRA right. contribution, right? right. That, so, that would be the best. You got it. Because yeah. then I'm saving the $10,000 into the 401k plan, and I'm taking that $2,500 that I saved in taxes, and I put that into another account. Right. That's the true apples-to-apples comparison, I, I think, where I people always forget. They completely forget because they spend it. They spend it. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, I'm getting this tax deduction. I get this tax deduction. What's the break even? Well, are you saving that tax deduction? Well, no. Well, what's that Because matter? everything <laughs> is in my 401k plan, right? <laughs> right. There's very little in cash. They got a nice big fat 401k plan and they have, you know, their home paid off. Right. So you, you can't, well, when you read the articles and, and Al and I talk about Roth planning and conversions and contributions quite often on the show. And there's always this missing link of saying, all right, well, it's it's not as cut as dry as do you go 401k versus not. Because in most cases, most people don't save that tax savings. And then down the road, when you need the money, you for, it's tax-free to you if you went Roth. Right. Right? That's true. And I think for most people, they, right, they, they, they could blow that $2,500 on whatever. So, <laughs> and, and typically people do. And t- yes. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner with Alan Copeland. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Nice to have you back, Joe. Hey. I had to kind of lead in. I in- introduced the show. It was phenomenal. Was it? Yes. Do but, I still have a job? Uh, <laughs> yes. It was It was phenomenal in my own mind. Got I it. don't know about our listeners. Yes. That is a common theme with people. What? That is phenomenal in their own mind. In their own mind. Boy, I am the best. I am way above average. Yeah. Are you a good driver? Yes. Yes. I'm way above average. Way above average. And this radio talk host, above average. Above average. Yeah. You know, people talk about downsizing in retirement, right? And so there's a couple here. 
I'm I'm reading the New Zealand Herald. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I'm going to New Zealand in three weeks. I know. So I, I was. I'll, I'll get some more articles while I'm down under. Yes. So I was um, thinking about you when I was reading the New Zealand Herald. And how uh, on earth would you get the New Zealand Herald? Does that get delivered to your It does your house? to my front door. It's six months behind, but that's <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's one couple. They decided, um, you know, they they left the U.S. to move to New Zealand. And so they bought this farmhouse, right? And let me guess, they they raise sheep. No, well, guess how big it is? The farmhouse? Yeah. You mean like that? The I'd say I'd say it's mm, twenty five hundred square feet. No, it's two point five meters wide by seven two. Um, oh, it's little. Oh yeah, it's a tiny house. <laughs> <laughs> so they got this land. Got right, it. So this is downsizing for this. Individual. This is downsizing. It's situated on four acres of land. Two and a half meters. Is two, that what you said? Yeah, I don't That's know. About that's about meters, like three feet, right? So that's about 11, nine, nine, 10. Yeah, they're, they're trying to uh, fit a surfboard in there. It's a little challenging. They can't quite, yeah. <laughs> they can't co- uh, quite to, do it. Has to keep you, that this is a big rage, though. The tiny house. I, have you ever I, seen that I have that seen show? that. Yes, I have seen that. People just are they're getting into it. <laughs> There's an, I'm six foot five, Alan. How could, You couldn't have <laughs> a tiny house. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my house is tiny. I'm 5'10". I could do a tiny house. You I guess. could. You could. When you go to New Zealand, you might want to t- check this one a, out. Yeah, get yeah. one. Yeah. So I can say I've got a home in New Zealand. That would sound pretty impressive. <laughs> it's that. nine feet by seven feet. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I couldn't. I couldn't fit a king size bed in for Ann and I. So it's, yeah, uh, we, we're, we did a twin. Right. It's um, very interesting how people um, are are getting into this, but there's no way. So that's kind of the. I guess kind of the. You need you, you need less stuff. Is that part of that? Movement? Yeah, they want to travel sim- more. Sim- simplify. Yeah, you know, I suppose. you don't need the stuff. You can just get by with a nine by seven home. <laughs> Throw everything. <laughs> Situated on four acres of land, by the way. Oh, oh, it's very comfortable. Couldn't you make the home a little bigger on maybe, four acres? Maybe. Um, I'm, I'm, I bet the barn for the sheep is like <laughs> ten times bigger. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh man, I guess what people are doing here. I pulled up another article too. Um, our our buddy that we talked about last week, um, Ted Benna, the founder of the 401k. Yeah. So he had this article on um, the Wall Street Journal saying that it was the worst mistake he's ever made in, yeah. know, to try to help create I, it. I, I saw that one. He worked for the Johnson Companies, and he was the executive mm-hmm. vice president there at the time, and he suggested to add a 401k plan because what they had before, this is back in the 80s, right? Right. Um, and the defined contribution plans, like the IRAs, came out in the 70s under what, ERISA 74, 75, something like that. And so they had what they called a, um, a Christmas fund is what he called it. Okay. Right? So people were able to put in money after tax, and you would have to hold it into this account for two years. Okay. And he goes, most people would put a little bit of money in, right? And then two years later, they would dis- you know, deposit 100% of it in December, and you know, they it. would buy Christmas presents or whatever. Okay, sure. So he's like, well, there's got to be a better way, right? right? Because they had a, a nice defined benefit plan, yeah. right? A pension plan and Social Security. He's like, well, here, I think people should save a little bit more money. Let's get a little bit more elaborate besides this Christmas fund that's after tax. So getting it to pre-tax... Right. I was like, all right, well, now that money needs – now there's laws involved here. You yeah. can't necessarily put money in pre-tax, get a tax – Without the IRS to <laughs> say it's it's okay. Right. Yeah. So now you have to wait until 59 and a half and so right. on and so forth. So, you know, several years later now, he's like, man, 
I don't know if I should have done this because their anticipation wasn't thinking that, hey, they're going to get rid of the defined benefit right. plan. Well, that's exactly what he said. It's like this was to be a supplement, right, to right. our retirement. And and then now it's become the only retirement in most cases. Yes. I mean, if you're a new employee going to a firm now, even some of the largest, uh, the likelihood of you having a pension plan in a private company, you know, it's, it's probably, what, less than 20 percent? Yeah, it's, I think it is less than 20 percent. Now, if you're a government employee, you work for the federal government, you'll have a pension. Sure. If you work for the state of California, you'll have a pension. Uh, but the rest of us that work for private firms, it's it's very unusual. And so a lot of companies as ours, we do have a 401k. We do have a match, but it's it's not the same amount as a pension plan. Some of these pension plans were pretty significant. People, right. people would retire with uh, 100% of their income. 50, 60, 70, 80%. In some, t- in some cases, 100. I've actually seen 102%, right. 103%. Right. Like, I'm losing money working. <laughs> so why would I, Joe and Al, why would I keep working? Right. I, I, you know, I, I love I, my job. I, but... I don't have an answer. Right. I mean, it's, you get a raise if you quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could. Oh, boy. I mean, CalPERS is having a little bit of issue. Yeah. I don't know if you read that, but, um, you know, looking at the CalPERS is the the largest, you know, p- public pension plan in right. the country. Yeah, right. And now there's more money going out of the plan than going in mm-hmm. and looking at potentially cutting benefits and everything else. So, right. yeah, you know, if you do have a pension, private or public, that doesn't necessarily mean you should just coast. Right. All right. That's and, true. And we see this from time to time is that, all right, well, I have a large pension plan and people that have large pension plans, they have very little in savings. Yeah. Some, not yeah. all, right. not most, some. Right. And it's like, all right, well, why don't you have any, you know, you know you have a 401k or even a 403b or whatever type of defined contribution plan that the, that employer offers. Well, it's like, well, I have this pension plan. That's my savings. Right. Right. And so, and I think for a lot of individuals, it's like, well, it's, you know, nothing's going to happen to CalPERS or CalSTRS. Sure. Or, and I'm not saying anything drastically is. I don't know. It may. Right. Well, but But having that 100% conviction that, that number is accurate for the rest of your life, I think might be a little short-sighted. Well, I think so. Just ask the uh, the pilots uh, and, and employees of United Airlines. Right, or American because, Airlines. Yeah, because they had what they thought was were pretty robust pension plans that did not actually make it. Right. And then you got the PBGC, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. And, it's and, like, and they'll step in and do some, but it's not going to necessarily be what you were thinking it would be. You got it, right, because they're pretty... It's stretched thin. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty stretched as well. Uh, and the, the the point of this discussion is that you have to buy a little home in New Zealand, which is really where we're getting to. Yeah, and I'm going to buy one. You can be my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, and because yes. I'm gonna, I want to say that I have a home in New Zealand. Right. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Big Al right next to me. Hey, I got like, I don't know, five weeks of emails here. <laughs> okay, so we will get to that. But I, Joe, I got my list. All right, you let's know, go to the know, list. You know me and my list. Yes, do you got a good one this week? Yes, I've got a good one. I think you'll even think so. All right. Seven reasons to use a Roth IRA to hmm. save for retirement. All right. Let's go through these. Seven reasons. Seven reasons. It? Here's uh, the most tax benefits in retirement. That's number one. Who's, Which, who's the author of that thing? Oh, it's uh, Motley Fool. Okay. Uh, Matthew Frankel, to be exact. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, 
it, and it starts out, the most obvious benefit of a Roth IRA is that it can provide you with tax-free income in retirement. We talk about that all the time, and it, it still surprises me. Some people don't even realize that a Roth IRA, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. That's $5,500 per year if you have earned income. And if you're 50 and older, $6,500 per year, that money goes into the Roth IRA and it grows tax-free. And so it's not only that 5500 is tax-free, it grows to ten grand. That whole ten grand is tax-free. Right. And there's income, dividends, it's tax-free. And if you pass away, your spouse or your kids get it. It's tax-free to them too. So if you think about having some of your income in retirement, at least, tax-free, that's a way to avoid paying a lot of taxes in retirement. Right. And I always look at it as like, when do you need the money the most? Yeah. Right? It's, most of the time, it's in retirement. For a lot of people, I, I get it. You're working paycheck to paycheck. You don't feel that you have enough money to save, and every dollar that comes in goes out. But in retirement, it's not going to get any better right? because the dollars that you saved, once you hit retirement, a lot of you probably don't want to go back to work, can't go back to work, maybe because of its health issues or maybe you're just getting older and you can't necessarily do the craft as well as you wanted to or could do. You craft? Your craft. Or, or crap. Craft. Okay. Your craft. craft. <laughs> Your job. Okay. Got it. <laughs> it could be a craft. I don't got know. Got it. Okay. Right. I got it. And so then you got to think, all right, well, like Al said, we're all going to end up retiring at some point in for a lot of us, that's when we want to squeeze every last penny out that we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. That's when you want to make your money work for you the best that can. And so if you can avoid taxes on that, right. I mean, that's ideal. Yeah. Here's another thing, Joe, and, and this might seem kind of obvious, but sometimes we forget it. There's tax benefits before retirement. And so compare this. You've got a stock investment outside of retirement versus a stock investment in your Roth IRA. It goes up, you sell it, there's dividends. It's all tax-free in a Roth. And it's 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 in an IRA, you can put an IRA or 401k, it's at least tax-deferred, so right. you don't pay current taxes, but a Roth is better because it's all tax-free. Right, so if you have a gain in any type of stock, bond, mutual fund, and then you sell that, let's say you rebalance the overall account, or you, you think, hey, this stock has made its run, I'm going to sell it and buy something else, there's a big capital gain, you don't pay any tax, it's all tax-deferred, but then it, when you start taking deposits or distributions from the account, it's 100% tax-free yeah, to you. Yeah, it's, so. it's amazing, and, and I... Like I said before, a lot of people that, that ask me about Roth IRAs, they, don't, they, they haven't even grasped the fact that all the growth is tax-free right. too, not just what you put in. There are no required minimum distributions. And for many of you, this is a big deal because by the time you hit 70 and a half is when you have to start taking money out of your IRAs, your 401ks, right? And that amount starts at about 3.7% of the balance. You actually take your balance and you, and you divide it by 27 years. That's the factor. Right, the first year. Yeah, the first year. And then each year, it's, it's a lower factor, so you have to take more and more out. And those that have saved and maybe those that have pension plans or other sources of income, that's the last thing they want to do is have to take out a required minimum distribution when they don't need the money right. because it pushes them in a higher tax bracket. Right. It's like, all right, well, here, I'm, I'm getting some good growth on this overall account. And then next thing you know, I got to sell it and take it out of the account and pay the tax. A couple of things when it comes to RMDs, though, you don't necessarily have to sell the investment. You're taxed on it. You don't necessarily have to sell it if it's in an IRA. Right. What I mean by that, you can you can transfer shares out and put it into a brokerage account. So yeah. if you really enjoy that investment, you're like, I don't want to sell it. Well, you, you could just basically transfer XYZ shares to make sure that the you have enough shares that come out of the account 
that satisfies the required distribution. So, so the value of the shares that get distributed on, on that day have to at least equal your minimum required you, you, you got minimum it. distribution. They could It could be greater. Yes. Right? That's yes. fine, but it just can't be less. And if it's in a Roth, you, you, you just keep it going, right? Yeah, you never that, have to pull the money that, out. That's the advantage. I mean, that's one of many advantages. You do not have to take a required minimum distribution from a Roth IRA. And there's there's really only a, a couple of exceptions, I guess. One is, is your non-spouse beneficiaries. When they inherit your Roth IRA, they do have to take a required minimum distribution. Yep. And the reason, and, and it's still tax free to them. Right. But the reason the IRS requires that is they honestly don't want these accounts growing forever, right? So they make the in next perpetuity, right? Yeah, right, in perpetuity. So they, they make the next generation withdrawal. I guess another strange one is if you have a Roth four hundred one k, you still have to take a required minimum distribution from that. But there's a real easy workaround. You just roll that into a regular Roth IRA. And there's no RMD on that one. Right. But then, you know, if, if we want to get complex, which I don't, um, <laughs> but let's say if you have a 401k and then you have a Roth component and you have a um, standard component, right? So you got pre-tax and, and, and Roth. Right. And so there are some rules that you want to make sure that you take a look at when it comes to pro rata rules, right? Is that pro rata means, all right, well, if I have money in an account, some of it's after tax and some of it's pre-tax. Well, I can't necessarily segregate it and say, well, I just want to take the after-tax dollars out now and be tax-free, and, I, and, and I'll wait for the pre-tax later. With a Roth 401k, you can – the IRS looks at it as two separate accounts, all right? So you can move the Roth component because some people might want to keep it in the 401k, right? If I move the money out of the 401k, now it's in an IRA, which could be a pro and con, depending on your overall situation. Sure. But just know that you would have to separate those and put those into two separate accounts. A lot of mistakes happen with that, so you just want to be extremely careful. Anytime you start rolling money, if you have pre-tax, after-tax, Roth provisions, or all three, there's certain ordering and how the IRS looks at it. So you just want to make sure that you know what you're doing when you move those dollars. Yeah, there's been some new laws in the past two, three years that allow direct uh, uh, conversions from a from a Roth 401k directly to a, a, Roth, I, a Roth IRA. Right, right. and after tax, I, I let's say, say an after tax contribution that's not in the Roth provision of the 401k that can get directly moved into a Roth IRA. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. But then if I do that, <laughs> can I keep the 401k dollars um, or do I have to roll those out to you? So there's there's just different ordering and it gets a little bit more complex. So yeah. like I said, just make sure you know what you're doing there. Joe, here's another one. And I almost hesitate to say this, but it's true. Your, your money is isn't tied up if it's a contribution. Right. Okay. So in other words, I just said you could put $5,500 into a Roth IRA if you have earned income and your income is below certain income levels. So you have to qualify for it. But the thing is, it doesn't really matter if you're age 20 or 70, you can actually withdraw that $5,000, whatever, back the next day because a contribution doesn't have that same penalty 59 and a half. Now, certainly the $5,000 or whatever you put into it, if it grows to $10,000, for example, you can pull out the original five because it was a contribution. You can't pull out the other $5,000 of growth until you're at least 59 and a half, right? And, and, um, or, and, and, and five years of Roth, of having a Roth. So right. it's those two things together. Yeah. There's different rules when it comes to have the tax-free component of the distribution. So the contributions are you know, readily available at any time as you make those contributions. However, the growth of the overall account needs to be in the account 59 and a half or five years, whichever is longer. 
So if you just start a Roth at 65, you still can't get to the earnings or growth of that dollar, right, until you're 70 in that example. If you're, you know, so five years, even though you're over 59 and a half, if you've never opened up a Roth before, you know, the earnings need to be seasoned. So if you don't have a Roth, uh, we would encourage you to at least open one up because then that starts your five-year clock. It, it sure does. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name is Joseph Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Alan Goldplan, he's a CPA. Joe, we've been talking about uh, the different reasons to use a Roth IRA to save for retirement. I actually got seven of them. We did four of the last segment. Uh, but the next one I want to get to is um, a Roth IRA can be a, a great complement to other retirement accounts. And, that, and this, I, I think a lot of people don't realize the power of this. It's, it's probably, now there's, we mentioned there's a couple ways to get money to a Roth IRA. You can do a contribution, $5,500 if you have earned income, $6,500 if you're 50 and old, older. But you can also convert money that you already have in an IRA. And there, there's no limitations whatsoever. You can be any age. You don't have to be working. There's no income limitation. Anyone can do it. The only thing that should stop you, though, is how much should you convert based upon your tax bracket? Because you could theoretically convert a million-dollar IRA, but then you'd be in the highest tax bracket. That probably wouldn't make sense. So you want to come up with strategies to get some of it in. And if you're, let's just let's just say you're approaching retirement, you've, you've, you've re- the light bulb's coming on. You realize you want to have some tax-free income in retirement. You may have just a few years to get some conversions in within certain reasonable tax brackets. So you're not going to get all of your IRA converted into Ross, but you get some of it, right? Yeah, I think the exercise is just to take a look, all right, write out where your assets are. Right? So you have tax-deferred assets, so it's your IRAs, 401ks, and the like. And then you have tax-free assets, which would be, let's just call it a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k. And then you have after-tax dollars, you know, a um, brokerage account. Then calculate what's the percentage that you have in each of those different accounts. And I, if I were a betting man, I would bet that 90% plus is in tax-deferred accounts and very little is in tax-free accounts. Yeah, that's typically what we see. But if you can even get some in a Roth IRA now— Yeah, it will help you control your brackets. Here's here's what happens then. So you have to take your required minimum distribution out of your IRA. Okay, Maybe you got Social Security. Maybe you have a pension. Maybe you don't. But so all of that happens automatically. You'll pay taxes on that. But let's just say you want more money for some reason. You want to go on that great trip this year. You want to buy the new car or whatever it is for you. It's like, well, I guess I could go back to my IRA, but I, when I pull that money out, it's all taxable. It's, that's going to push me into a higher tax bracket. Maybe that year I take that extra money out of the Roth IRA and I don't get pushed into the higher tax bracket. And this is where it can make a lot of sense in terms of gaining control over your taxes in right. retirement. I mean, that's one example of saying, hey, if I have a higher expenditure one, one year. But the, the real key component of this, of controlling your brackets in retirement, is starting to say, all right, how much money am I going to spend or do I want to spend in retirement? And where's that income going to come from? Right? So you have to look at your different sources, your you know, your 401 or your pension plans, um, Social Security, if you have real estate, whatever. And then you say, okay, well, if everything else is in the retirement account, it's all going to be taxed at ordinary income. I have very little control. So then you realize that. Now, what's the action steps that you need to take? You're saying, okay, well, here, if I have a little bit of money in my retirement account, a little bit of money in my Roth account, a little bit of money outside of the Roth accounts, well, all of those different pools are taxed differently. So I can say, all right, well, I'm going to take X amount of dollars out of one account and pay Y in tax, but I'm going to pull more money out of other accounts and potentially not pay any tax at all. 
So if you can visualize that to say, all right, well, here, I want a little bit more balance on where the assets are in comparative to how they're taxed, you're going to have more money long term because you're keeping more for yourself. Yeah. And and the way and we've seen this, Joe, we've seen people that are in the 25 percent tax bracket each and every year. And by the time they do some Roth contribution planning and tax planning, they've got enough money into Roth IRA where they they pull out enough money from their IRA to stay to the top of the 15% bracket, but everything else comes out of the Roth, which is taxed at zero, or maybe they sell a capital gain stock, which is taxed at 15%. So they're living in what you might say a 25% tax world, but only paying 15% tax. Right. And that's a big deal. Over you, the long term, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, you think about you retire at 65 and we're living into our 80s, even 90s. Some of us are going to get to 100, right? Or more. Right. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's you, brother. Yeah. The way yeah. you work out every morning. <laughs> oh, exactly. You should see me on the weekends. <laughs> Probably dying at 65. Um. Roth IRAs are great for estate planning as well because why? Because your kids get them tax-free as well. So let me just be clear on this. We still do have an estate tax if your estate is over about five and a half million, roughly. And if and if you're married, it's it's roughly eleven million dollars can go to the kids tax-free. But as long as your estate is below those levels, the kids get the Roth IRA, it's tax-free to them too. Now, they inherit your regular IRA or your regular 401k. They will pay taxes on that when they pull the money out. Right. And so there's no tax on the Roth, but they use the balance of the Roth, right, in your IRAs and everything else to, to, to you know figure out what your gross estate is. And then they take that calculation of what the gross estate is, and then they you know, put the estate tax on that. So a lot of times what we've seen is that if people do have a large estate and then they have Roth, right, then guess where the kids go to pay the tax? They'll just do all that all that hard work that you try to get the money in the Roth. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's intergenerational planning, too, that you want to make sure that the kids understand, all right, don't pull all this money out, right? It's going to kill you in taxes. This one's going to be tax-free. So, so they understand the taxation and the work that you've done. Um, we like to do, you know, more family meeting type, right? So get the beneficiaries in. Uh, we've done a lot of different workshops with our clients when it comes to, all right, well, what does the successor trustee do? What information should they have? So we've we've come out with estate planning organizers, step-by-step guides on what, you know, the, the beneficiary should do, who should they contact, how should, you know, how does all this stuff work? And, you know, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom of death, but it's very important because how many times have we seen huge mistakes happen with the kids taking large amounts of money out of retirement accounts because they didn't realize the taxation they, of them? They just didn't know, Joe. And, and it's and it's like a lot of families don't want to talk about money. And, and you know, that's, that's certainly your business and you're right, but uh, you certainly want to at least make sure your kids are educated or, or at least that they can go to your advisor or your estate planning attorney and so they can get educated to not make some of these mistakes. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. 